1914, movie audiences got to see their very first living dinosaur. Her name was Gertie, and she appeared in a short film by American cartoonist Winsor McKay. In the film, McKay, playing himself, makes a bet with the director of the Natural History Museum. A bet that he can make a dinosaur come alive. And then he presents Gertie, an animated cartoony sauropod that bows to her audience and has a little playful fight with the mammoth. The film was a great success, and since then, dinosaurs have remained film stars in all shapes and forms. Through the years, dinosaur effects in movies have been created in many different ways. There has been cartoon-style animated dinosaurs like Gertie, stop-motion dinosaurs like the ones King Kong fought in back in 1933, real living lizards with glued-on horns, grown-up men jumping around in weird rubber suits, animatronics and, nowadays, plenty of CG-created beasts. So let's learn more about how all those dinosaurs came alive and why audiences never will be tired of watching these iconic beasts. Follow me on a walk with dinosaurs through film history. Hi everybody, welcome to Yellowbrick Road, a podcast about visual effects, animation and digital wizardry. I'm Nils Lagren, and today we're going to get Jurassic and talk about dinosaurs in films, from the very first ones to the latest. My guests are two dinosaur lovers from Goodbye Cancer Studios, VFX supervisors Stefan Linder and Cameron Scott. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Nice to have you here. Thank you. Stefan, when did you fall in love with dinosaurs? Ooh, that was extremely early on. I think I was like six years old and and, and, uh, my dad gave me a book uh, about dinosaurs and I was sold the moment I opened it. It was fantastic. And Cam? Um, When I fell in love with dinosaurs, that that, that, like Stefan, it was a fascination with... um, books and toys mm. but my first experience of dinosaurs was actually I f- found out a lot later was not a dinosaur but uh, apparently is a cross between a gorilla and a whale what? <laughs> yeah um, when I was a boy I lived in Japan for a, a number of years, two years and uh, there my first experience was Godzilla mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so that was my first experience of, of dinosaurs and and the, the fights that it did throughout the city and and uh, with Mega Man, and I thought that was amazing. I thought that was so cool. I was eight years old. And I thought, oh my god, this is fantastic. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. I, I mentioned Gertie the dinosaur, but but when did the first photorealistic dinosaurs appear in movies? Uh, well, I would. Uh, wouldn't that be Willis O'Brien's uh, experiments with with stop motion? I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the obvious one would be Lost World, uh, but I think he did a few things before, and especially a few experiments, shorts, and so on. That was that I haven't been able to see, but I think I've seen glimpses of it at some point, but mm-hmm. but not the whole whole things but, but the lost world is to me uh, very iconic and classic old 
dinosaur. Stop motion dinosaur. Creature feature, yeah. Isn't, isn't the notion of photorealism, though, quite subjective? Because well, I actually yeah. heard that people at that, uh, the showing of Gertie uh, couldn't understand how they got a real life. <laughs> there was seriously flabbergasted with how they could make this move. And, and that had a sense of photorealism to it just because it was moving and they couldn't mm. understand. And then it's the same as if you, you go to a cinema and you think that something is amazing and then five years later you think, what? Yeah. How, that looks so bad. And that, that's also the thing with, with stop-motion dinosaurs. I mean, it is an art form, I would say, but it's not photoreal. No. <laughs> and, and, and that goes also with, with I mean, uh, real high-quality stop-motion. It's still a bit stylized. Mm, you very, can't get yeah. away from that. Mm. And, of course, that's that goes also for CG. I mean, even though it looks great, it's still, to some certain, degree a stylization often and and um, uh, and as cam says uh, at some point you feel that oh that's a bit dated mm. even though it looked fantastic the moment you saw it the first time and that's where the the term suspension of disbelief really comes to play because you go into a cinema and you know that okay dinosaurs aren't real but you're watching it and they didn't have cameras back 250 million years ago and <laughs> but then you get you get absorbed in the story and you, and you just put your realistic brain to the side and then you you have a look and say oh my god and just think everything is so fantastic yeah uh, and and so you you literally you just you put your uh, literal mind on the shelf and go and just get absorbed by yeah, that that's the true. story that's true. And then as all visual effects uh, and animation, you want to improve it all the time also because audiences get used to how it's done. So, I mean, exactly what you're you're talking about, we we discussed this with King Kong that people actually thought for real that he was a huge Mm -hmm. living monkey Mm -hmm. and got carried out of cinemas in panic and now we just think he's cute. Mm -hmm. But but, uh, you mentioned Willis O'Brien. And then, of course, we have his famous pupil, yeah. Ray Harryhausen. I think the, the the first time they collaborated was on Mighty Joe Young, where uh, Ray Harryhausen was an intern or something like that. Willis O'Brien was his tutor. And, and What uh, year was that? That was... It's in the 40s. 40s, yeah. It's an amazing it's, film. It's great, and yeah. it's absolutely one of the, the best uh, animated uh, of films of, of Willis O'Brien is fantastic, mm. and it's so it, it is sort of a spin-off of King Kong because it's a giant ape, but uh, quite different in its premises. But but it's uh, it's beautiful, it really is. Kind of cute. It's not a dinosaur mo- movie though. No, <laughs> there's no dinosaurs in that one. No. So so it was mainly like stop motion dinosaurs. In those years, mm-hmm. but there, there were also other. Well, of course, they did a few. F- they tried out p- having sort of suits and mm. and so on. Godzilla, uh, yeah, Godzilla, <laughs> and it's also this this unknown uh, world. Was it called unknown that? island? Unknown yeah, island, yeah. That was like really. Uh, well, it turned out a bit campy, I would say. <laughs> it didn't really work but uh, we we will post a link to to a a (laughs) clip from that it's it's amazing it's strange men in in suits 
but I mean the the stop motion dinosaurs. I mean the the, the whole concept of doing dinosaurs had to rely on stop motion because that was the basically the the only fairly good technique to use mm. back in those days all the way through to the 90s with Jurassic Park but but animatronics where when did that enter the scene oh yeah well i would say that uh, animatronics came big time into the 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 the, the hollywood scene in in the 70s i think mm. Uh, but I don't think that it was used extensively. It, it was still stop motion that was the the way to do it. I mean, they did a few few things as late as I think. I, when was that um, film from uh, with that cute long neck dinosaur? Uh, Baby. Baby, the lost Baby. Uh, secret of the lost legend. Oh yeah, nineteen eighty five. Eighty five. Yeah. That was an animatronic. That was an animatronic, yeah. Wasn't that because they had so much interaction? Mm. Probably, probably. And uh, they chose to do it that way also. I mean, I think it it didn't contain any animation at all. Mm. So it was basically animatronic and probably like puppeteering. Yeah. I would guess. There was a it, there's a difference between puppeteering and animatronics. Yeah. Uh, in any case, if you ask me, because... Animatronics implies uh, some sort of remote control or motorization, mm-hmm. but puppets is handheld. <laughs> handheld, and then you, you're more into the realm of, for example, Jabba the Hutt, or uh, that horrible dog dragon from um, uh, Neverending Story. <laughs> that was a puppet. I believe it, it was, was a puppet, but but I mean the the, the line can be quite uh, fine because you know uh, an animatronic is also hand driven, though often at least nowadays with servos and so on. You're right. Yes. But but in the older days it was wire uh, controlled cables. cables mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was just a small step from being hand puppeteered. Sure. Yeah, you're right. Yes. So, so in the early days, I would say that was a very fine line. It was basically where you couldn't fit a hand <laughs> inside the puppet. Mm. Then you had to use cables, right. and, yep. and then it became animatronic. True. You had actually already in the 20s, uh, I think it was Fritz Lang at Nibelungen, where there's a huge dragon, mm-hmm. which had like lots and lots and lots of puppeteers inside, yeah. like maneuvering him. And, like, mm. pa- papier mache. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> dragon. But then... Came Jurassic Park. Yes. So, why was it so revolutionary? Well, of course, because of the CG, the introduction to CG. I mean, the technique was just in its uh, startup phase. Uh, They didn't have software or or machines that could handle it, basically, but they did it anyway. And... uh, I mean, Tippett Studios pushed real hard for for stop motion animation, but when uh, Spielberg saw the 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 test they did at ILM with with the, the computer generated mm. dinosaurs, that just it, it conquered it all and made still, still, stop the, the, motion. There wasn't many minutes of CG in the original Jurassic. No, but World. what minutes there were? Yeah, yeah. That sure, one sure. scene with the uh, the what were they, Diplodocus? 
when you mm. first saw them. Yeah, the, the, the Brachiosaurus. Brachiosaurus. Yeah. You just, almost, that was, I remember that mm. when I saw that yeah, the first time. It's just, oh, it's amazing. It's, it's a dinosaur. Uh-huh. <laughs> you did it. You crazy son of a bitch, you did. And yeah. still, when you break down the T-Rex sequence uh, into what is CG and what is uh, animatronic, it's simply mind-blowing fantastic. Mm. It's, it's, but it, it was, I think it was two and a half minutes mm. uh, CG in it. And that must have been a massive task back then. Because definitely they didn't have the equipment to do it. No, I mean they they invented a lot of the techniques that we are using today and we rely on today when they did that movie. And I think I think actually I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I think the that uh, the big 3D package that was used uh, up until just a few years ago, Softy Marsh, was developed because of and by the development of of Jurassic Park. Mm. So that's quite. Yeah, it's a true classic and a milestone. It is, and it still holds fairly well today. It, it's more about like comping and so on to, to integrate the the material into the film material that that is a bit lacking. But I I, I still can't get my head around how they managed to render those <laughs> images to look photoreal, mm-hmm. given what was what they had to work with. Unbelievable, fantastic, but I tell you, it could happen. It could happen. It could happen. So. How has the look of dinosaurs evolved through the years? Uh, I mean, are the Jurassic Park dinosaurs more scientifically correct than, than the Harrison ones? In some way, but uh, of course they are more more scientifically correct. But there's still not there's still quite a lot of stylization going on there. So so it's not absolutely science. But keep, keeping in mind that the science has changed. The science becomes true. more scientifically correct, That's and true. so like what was accepted, uh, what is it now, thirty years ago, mm. is different to what's accepted now. Yeah. So you could ask the question: When the film came out, was it scientifically correct, mm-hmm. or mm. retroactively was it scientifically correct? Yeah, true, but but it's still like they do. They're making a movie, not a, a documentary, and and the general thing for the movie maker is to make a dinosaur that the audience accept as real, mm-hmm. not as the scientists accept as real. Even though, I mean, Jack Horner, who is a very famous paleontologist, was really heavily involved with the, the development of, of Jurassic Park and helped them out a lot with, with the scientific facts. But of course, as uh, because it's a film, uh, they probably took his advice and just used what they wanted. <laughs> Especially, I think, the size of the velociraptors. Absolutely. I mean, a velociraptor, and in the book, the velociraptor is like a dog. Mm. It's not very big. They're no. only 50 centimeters high? Yeah, very small animals. And that was the point that they were they were working together, and that was their strength. Mm. And uh, it was a bit boring to do a film with just small Dinosaur, I think. Dinosaurs as, as the, the, the main villain. Couldn't it also be that many of the velociraptor shots in the original Jurassic Park were actually men in suits, like legs and stuff? Absolutely. So then it's more practical that they're man size. Okay, yeah. Yeah. 
Just that's a true. theory of mine. That's true. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we can say that. Save their face. Yeah, well, they did fantastic suits with, with, uh, yeah. with the Velociraptor raptors. They were amazing. But the early dinosaurs on film, like the Ray Harryhausen ones, the, for example, the, the ones that walked on the back legs, they used to drag their tail. Mm-hmm. But nowadays we know that the dinosaurs did not drag their no, tail. No, they were more balanced. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the, that, absolutely, that, that evolved uh, because, I think, Jurassic Park and the science uh, behind it all. I mean, I know there are tests with the velociraptors with a almost snake-like tongue. Hmm sniffing the air and uh, Jack Horner was no 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 <laughs> that won't work <laughs> and uh, so so they probably had a lot of those things those discussions going on so uh, i would say that Jurassic Park was fairly scientific but not full on but but then in the 90s uh, the discussion came up about feathers on dinosaurs as well mm-hmm. and in the next or was it the third Jurassic Park film, suddenly some of the velociraptors had some feathers on them. And they touch on that in the first film, that that uh, they, they have a bird connection, but then again in the script it says uh, they mix it with frog DNA, and mm-hmm. that sort of sets that theory aside a bit. <laughs> and you could argue that that's why they don't have any feathers. But for True. real, they probably had. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> When it comes to stylized dinosaur, I have an old favorite film that Ringo Starr actually did back in the 60s or 70s, I think maybe the 70s, called Caveman, oh, yeah. where they have fantastically stylized dinosaurs. They have a crossidosaurus, which is <laughs> the most amazing thing I've ever seen, and uh, also heavily re- relied on, on, on uh, stop-motion animation. Mm. And then, as you mentioned, the stylization, the dinosaurs are often also characters, so they need to have a specific look to look like menacing or friendly, uh, mm-hmm. which the real dinosaurs probably didn't, didn't care about. No, they didn't, didn't <laughs> care much about that. That is a, a, a drawback of, of what you were saying about using the... Fi- it's a story, it's a film. Mm. Yeah, you got, it is, and it you is. have to anthropomorphize yeah. to some degree. Both of you have worked with lots of projects with CG dinosaurs. Do you have a favorite? Uh, well, I have to say King Kong. Uh, I've worked on, <laughs> on Peter Jackson's King Kong in the mid-2000s. And uh, those dinosaurs were, of course, heavily stylized uh, and not very scientific. But then again, it wasn't supposed to be in a way. They were supposed to be monsters. Yeah. And also evolved throughout the 50, 60 million years ago uh, timeline. <laughs> That's so, true. But uh, that, that was fantastic. That, that was so uh, out of the box back then, I think. And you can? Uh, I can't say I have a particular favorite because it changes for every film that come out. Every year that comes out, you have uh, technical breakthroughs. They get more and more convincing. People pay more attention to... Uh, the size and the mass and that looks more photoreal uh, and so it, for me it comes down to the entire experience I think uh, uh, if you'd asked me 20 years ago it would have been Jurassic Park if, mm-hmm. if you asked me 15 years ago it would have been King Kong if you asked me now it would probably 
Pacific Rim, even though it doesn't have dinosaurs <laughs> in it, but it's got these huge dinosaur-like monsters, which I think look amazing. And, yeah, it's it's the uh, I don't know. It, it, um, I don't have a favorite. No, but both of you are originally animators, and and I know that both of you have animated the, the king of all dinosaurs, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Uh, how, how is it to to animate such a creature? I mean, you, you did it obviously on on King Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's quite challenging. I mean, uh, it is a big, heavy beast that no one has seen for real, <laughs> which gives you a bit of liberty to to do your own interpretation. But it has to look convincing and so on. So it it is a challenge. Uh, but then again, it's so much fun. Yeah. I remember actually the first. One of the first real jobs we did together was uh, a T-Rex, actually. Remember? At Fido. At Fido, yeah. So Pucosaurus. Pucosaurus. <laughs> Commercial for chocolate milk. Yeah. And the poor T-Rex couldn't open the bottle. Well, he could open it, but, it but he couldn't drink he it. He couldn't drink it. That's right. <laughs> and that's where his frustration was. I think it's amazing how, how T-Rexes have survived as being cool and the most fearsome beasts when they have also been ridiculed so many times. Mm-hmm. Because of their little tiny arms and yeah, like. a set of big teeth that makes it all. <laughs> He's not what you'd call an athlete, Mr. T Rex. See? Walking away in utter helpless defeat. After all, his brain is the size of a walnut. But I mean, uh, where, where do you find references if you're animating a T Rex? Do you look at other films with T Rexes? or? Yes, of course, but then. Uh, uh, when it comes down to it when you when you make something move they have to obey the laws of physics they have to and and you do yeah you have to obey the laws of the principles of animation too you have to understand where the the balance of the body is and mm-hmm. where the power comes from and so you can look at everything from from emus to elephants mm-hmm. and they all they all respect the same laws of physics the same body mechanics mm-hmm. um and and with experience, you you apply all these references, and you hopefully get something which is convincing. Mm-hmm. But but for a fact, we don't know how they move. No, we, well, we do know a lot of. I mean, the scientists have broken down uh, the way uh, their muscles and and uh, joints work, uh, which helps a lot. And it's the the problem is that uh, some of those stylized uh, movie. Dinosaurs that we see are not very correct because they use their hips a lot, and mm. dinosaurs couldn't use their hips oh. basically at all. It was very stiff. So they're, they're, just a dinosaur walk probably looks a bit different. Looked a bit different than what we are used to right now mm. because we want it to be a bit more mammal. We want to be. We want to feel the feline. Yeah. motion of, of a of a dinosaur and so on and I think if you make something more stealthy and and, uh, and agile it becomes threatening yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, once again it's a character yes it yeah. is and that uh, back when we did King Kong that was one of the big things the the animation director really wanted them to be feline mm. it was like very smooth uh, separate the, the the torso from the from the hips so that it was very very agile and 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 also with a tail whipping mm. all the time so so that was quite quite interesting 
But but with this bird connection with dinosaurs, mm-hmm. what if they moved like pigeons, like well, moving their head? Yeah, like... and that's the fact that that when it comes to hips, yeah. birds are very similar. Mm. And you know, bird is basically just a ball with a head and f- wings. Yeah. <laughs> and that that is not very scary. But then again, you have like uh, bird of prey, where who and they they're really. They are threatening, and mm. you can pick from that also. And they don't walk around that much, though. But <laughs> no, that's true. But it is that, that is the fact that the, the the hips are so stiff. So to lift the leg, you don't do. Uh, they didn't move. They didn't lift their their limbs the, the same way that we do or mammals do. Mm. And uh, it would be look a bit odd, I think, if you animated it. Perfectly correct. The just an interesting side note: the Australian wedge-tailed eagle does actually walk around and hunt quite a lot, oh. and that's one of the the bigger eagles, mm. birds of prey, and it does look quite weird. Mm-hmm. So you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but but the T Rex, why did it become such an icon? I mean, today we know that there existed larger predators, but T Rex remains. The king of dinosaurs. Why? Well, what's so appealing? Because I think there's a number of factors. One is because it was real. Mm. I mean, it's sometimes you just have to pinch yourself and to say, I mean, this this could be a fanta- fantasy creature, but it was real. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you have teeth the size of bananas <laughs> and and <laughs> and the name. Yeah. The the king of the terrible lizards. That yeah. that it says it there. It's a very selling name. It is, yeah. <laughs> They were good at that back in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> T-Rex? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said you've got a T-Rex? Uh-huh. Say again. <laughs> we have a T-Rex. Wow. Put your, put your head between your knees. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Grant. If you could meet a dinosaur for real, like if you walked out from here and a dinosaur, what kind of dinosaur would that be? Would it be a T-Rex or...? <laughs> Well, I would love to see a T-Rex for real, absolutely. But <laughs> well, it says it's quite obvious that uh, you would probably not stay around that long <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> You'd probably run the fast, fast as you could. That whole thing in Jurassic Park about the T-Rex can't see me if I'm not moving—is that scientific correct, or is that? Well, how would they know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think it's a strange notion. It, it, um, Mm. Well, I think it it comes from the fact that that uh, T Rex had a somewhat stereoscopical uh, vision. Mm. It could point its eyes forward, uh, not much more than what an eagle can do. An eagle has two focal points: one is straight out of the eye, and the other one is forward, mm. even though the eyes are pointing outwards. Uh, and probably the the predatory dinosaurs had the same function. Uh, especially those who could point their eyes uh, a bit along their snout, because uh, th- that also made uh, made them see things compare with it, with it, with both eyes, so that they can see the movement. And I think the the idea comes from that. Mm. If that's true or not, well, nobody knows. There have been theories around that uh, because of their the, the cavity in their nose, that T. Rexes could have been entirely carrion eaters. Hmm. which could mean that they don't have to... That I think 
It had also to do with the fact that what you were saying, Stefan, is that the, the, the flexibility in the hips mm-hmm. just weren't, wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So they can't run and chase. So all they do is walk around and pray and find carrion. Mm-hmm. But, but that's how do they know? This is yeah. the question. <laughs> how do they know? And they're still fighting about that. I, I think uh, that's one of uh, Jack Horner's ideas. He helped on, on, on Jurassic Park. He is a very... He, he thinks that most uh, big dinosaur were scavengers and mm. um, and uh, had the possibilities to find carcasses from very far distances and so on. And um, that might be true. It also might be true that T-Rex... I, I, th- I like the idea of, the, of T-Rex being opportunist, basically whatever comes his way, like mm. a shark, mm. uh, just... Hunting if he has to, uh, f- eating a carcass if that's what's out there, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. This summer, uh, the second Jurassic World film arrives. Have you seen the trailer for yes. it? Any thoughts? Well, I haven't actually seen it yet. You haven't uh, seen no, it? No, I haven't. And... Uh, of course, I'm quite excited that that uh, a new Jurassic Park films is coming out. Uh, but um, no, I haven't seen it yet. It's entertainment. Yeah, that it it's a, it's a it's a thrill ride. It looks like a thrill ride. It's entertaining, and it's you know, there are dinosaurs running away from lots of things and people running away from the dinosaurs that mm. are running away and so it's it looks like it's entertainment yeah. and which is fantastic because that's yeah. what it's about and i felt with the, the last movie that it was more entertainment than facts uh, which kind of bothered me a bit because <laughs> it, it was a lot of things that i sort of it, it stood out a bit too much uh, that it was just a movie with movie monsters and uh, I love the fact when they actually try to put in real science into it also. That was, it, was that not a, uh, because Michael Crichton was so attached to the first movie? Probably, probably. Mm. And they also had the pressure the, to do the, the, the dinosaur movie of all dinosaur movies. And uh, this time around, it's more entertainment. Will dinosaurs continue to roam the film business? You think? Of course, definitely. Yeah, it's just as fascinating today as it was when they found the first dinosaurs. I think it's like it's so uh, it, it challenged your mind to think, as Cam said earlier, it, to challenge your mind that these beasts actually walked around. This is for real, mm-hmm. and just to be able to see that uh, and imagine that this is. This is for real. I finally get to see a dinosaur. Uh, that will never sort of get boring, I think. No. There's always a fascination there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, with the technology uh, pushing forward, I guess it won't be long until we can just put on our AR glasses and, and go out on the street and, and actually see a T-Rex out there that looks totally convincing. Yeah, be cool. I think it yeah. might happen in our lifetime. Yeah, well, on a zoo so. or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A digital zoo with uh, VR. I think that's that's an idea that I'm pushing here. Uh, thanks a lot for coming, guys. Thank you. Uh, You're always welcome. a pleasure. Yeah, it's been fun.
And you out there, thanks for listening. And as usual, you can find lots of links to things we talked about on our webpage, goodbyekansasstudios.com. And in this case, of course, lots of dinosaur clips. And do mail us if you have feedback or questions or thoughts about our pod. In the next episode, we're going to talk about digital humans, how to create them and why they are so hard to create. You don't want to miss that. Until next time, goodbye, bientôt, auf Wiedersehen, wiehorsch. Thank you.